HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection between food and grief, with your hosts, Sara Tangora and Bobby Conforto. On this show, we're going to really explore where grief and food intersect, how they go hand in hand, different people's experiences with their specific traumas and how food played a part from the beginning to the end of that experience. And how as individuals, we uniquely process life's traumas and losses through either the longing for, the creating of, the avoiding of, the obsessing over, and the eating of food. I remember right after Michael died, I still miss him, but I missed him so badly that night that I stopped at the convenience store on the corner and I bought a container of Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia. It's too sweet, you know, it's too everything. And I went home with it and I took it to bed and I thought to myself, gee, so this is my first menage a trois after Michael's death. <laughs> Me, Ben, and Jerry. And I ate the entire thing. What do you think your relationship to food was during times of crisis? I think that um, my sister and I use food to reward ourselves. I wish I had something more no, interesting think... to say, but definitely like spaghetti and meatballs and chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> my mom still can't eat rugula. It makes her too sad. I've also experienced a lot of loss, as has Bobby. And I think we really wanted to find a way where we could like work together. There's something that feels very compelling about doing a project with you, Mom, um, as just kind of a missing piece in life and just something we've always wanted to do but not known quite how. can't think of anything better myself. I think that, I mean, any conversation about grief, I think, prepares everyone for grief because there are so few conversations about grief. It's why I think yes. that what you guys are doing is so important. <laughs> Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, HRN's communications director and your co-host of HR and Happy Hour. And thank you. Wow, what a lovely audience. Wow. I appreciate it. I'm here with my co-host, Hannah Forden, HRN's program manager. Hello, Hannah. Happy Thursday. 
this week felt I don't get any short. applause. I'm sorry. So I'm upset. I'm upset oh no. Oh, you got no. the sad trombone. It's fine. And introducing Matt Patterson, who apparently is turning the audience against me. <laughs> he, he wields too much power. It's true. It's gone he straight really to my head. He really wields too much power. We also have our intern, Ruby Walsh, in the studio with us. Hi, Ruby. Hi. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Thanks for having me. What have you been up to today, Ruby? Uh, you have to come to a mic. Not, <laughs> not learning proper mic placement. Yeah. <laughs> that was exciting. Nope. Been, I've been uh, working on a script. <laughs> What's your story this week for uh, Meet and 3? For next week, it's um, on Brexit and what post-EU life will look like there um, in food shops, and for the agriculture industry. We are going to talk a little bit more about uh, trade and tariffs in a bit. Um, that's a teaser. Yeah. Stay and, tuned. And yeah, Meet and 3 is going to be doing a whole episode on it. So so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, okay, today's guests, we're so excited to have them. Um, and there's a special occasion for it because... Um, our first guest is Jimmy Carboni of Beer Sessions Radio, and hey he has a very important event coming up on Saturday. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. You know, from my old days, uh, running Jimmy's Number 43 and uh, Food Karma NYC events, um, we're in our 12th year of a Castellet Cookoff, which is now called tw- the 12th Annual Brooklyn Castellet Cookoff. Whoop, whoop. And that's uh, Jimmy's Number 43.com. This Saturday. Years. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something, like many things, just like this radio network, it kind of started with a few diehard people. And who would ever think that cassoulet would be something that, that chefs year after year would get interested in? And it keeps going. It, you, hear, you say cassoulet, there's chefs that are just learning to make French. There's a chef named Casey Boyle, and he um, is interested in the, the cuisine of Jura in France. Mm-hmm. And he's making yeah. everything Jura. <gasps> Weird apple dishes, you know, vinjon, that fr- whatever the wine is from there. That's so he's cooking. Exciting. He's cooking something with foie gras, too, which is kind of controversial these days. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, time, timely and controversial. Uh, well, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Our second guest today is Joan Gonzalez. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I didn't say your full name, if you want to say your yes, full name. Yes, you were afraid to. I was. <laughs> My name is Joan. Joan Gonzalez. <laughs> Got it. All right. And so, who is this special person on your lap? Uh, it is Amanda. It's my daughter. It's five months old. And you can hear some wing, wing, wing. It's he. It's she. <laughs> There's so. also Daisy Dog in the studio. So you're going to be hearing lots of uh, jingling collars and keys and things. No, no, no. None of that's actually there. It's yes. all amazing sound design. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. How it's do you correct. do it, Matt? How do you do it? Um, Faking babies all day. So Joan is the founder of Tierra Colada Olive Oil Brand. Yes. Uh, tell us more about that. Well, Tierra Gallada was founded like five years ago. It was a project that I had in my mind during a lot of years because I coming from an um, olive oil family. We have olive trees in Spain, in the south of Spain, in Jaén. But I never uh, worked in the olive oil industry. It was just five years ago when I knew I was coming here. I decided to bring a little piece of, of one of our treasures in Spain, that is the, the olive oil. Nice. Well, we'll talk more about that and sort of the state of olive oil um, right now when we get into our interview part of the show. Uh, but first, we have a few announcements we want to make. We just talked about Castle Cook-Off. We're going to talk more about it soon. But another event coming up um, that's within the realm of HRN is this Monday, January 27th, Sherry Bear is bringing her show, All in the Industry, to life with the Host Summit and Social. 
Um, it's going to be, like I said, Monday at the William Vale Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And the programming and the food both look equally incredible. Um, she's been doing this show for seven years on HRN, so you can imagine she's had a lot of amazing guests over the year, and many of them are going to be coming and doing speeches and panels and Q&As, and it's going to be a real opportunity for people to learn about Hospitality, Operations, Services, and Technology, H-O-S-T, Host Summit. So there are still some tickets left, and I believe that on Saturday we're going to send out an email with a code, a ticket code in there. So if you're still looking for a ticket, let us know. We can get you a little discount as for being a friend and family of HRN. And, and by then, let us know, you mean like sign up for our email list, right? Sign up for our email list or like, or like at us on social media, and I'll give it to you. Um, and also coming soon, um, this past weekend, Kat and I were out in San Francisco for the Good Food Awards and Good Food Mercantile, um, visiting our good friends out there. And it's their 10th year as well, which is really exciting. Everyone's having big decade celebrations. Um, and we have the entire Good Food Awards recorded, which is a really amazing um, you know, compilation of folks from the food industry, Michael Pollan spoke, Alice Waters, Dolores Huerta. Um, so we're going to have an unedited version of that coming out early next week, uh, as well as interviews from Good Food Mercantile with some of the kind of most um, risk-taking and exciting makers in the industry who are all um, really committed to keeping their food good, clean, and fair. Um, so our friends from Gustiamo will be making an appearance, our friends from Lady Edison Ham, uh, Vermont Cheese Council. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for that in the HRN On Tour feed. And our last announcement is that we have launched a couple of new shows in the past couple of weeks um the first one you heard a trailer for at the beginning of this show it's called processing it's a show about the intersection of food and grief hosted by a mother and daughter duo zara tangora and bobby conforto it's incredible it's really really amazing it's unlike anything we've ever done on our network and i'm just really excited about the deep conversations real conversations that they're going to be having with people about how you know grieving doesn't necessarily just mean that you've had like a loss of a person. It can mean you can grieve about a lot of things and food so often goes hand in hand with, with those emotions. Um, yeah. So it's the most universal combination of concepts and somehow I I feel like most people don't necessarily make that connection. Um, but Bobby and Zara as like a chef and a grief counselor can kind of bring it all into focus Mm -hmm. and it's it's beautiful it's gonna make you cry yeah (laughs) and then our other show that we just launched um we are collaborating with our friends over at the feed feed which is like the world's largest crowdsourced cooking platform um they really sort of jumped on uh the rise of cooking sharing our cooking joys through social media and that show is going to be looking at how um you know small and large sort of like media influences on the web have built community. Um, and so the, I think their first couple episodes are out and it's going to be sort of a, a, a in-depth look at when you see your favorite home cook or chef online, like what, what is sort of the process behind building that, that community. Um, so go check out both of those shows. We're very, very excited about them. Okay. Should we do some headlines? Let's do it. Uh, oh god. Uh. <laughs> Why thank you. Okay, so 
This week on The Grape Nation, San Ben Ruby spoke with Andre Mack about his journey from military school to the world of wine. Andre was the first African-American to be named Best Young Psalm by the Chaine de Rotisserie. Wow, good job. Uh, sometimes I have to go full French, otherwise I just can't say it at all. And he hasn't slowed down since. Listen to hear about his new endeavors as a graphic artist, wine store owner, and author. And we love Andre Mack, and you should check out that episode. And Steve Palmer was on opening soon this week to talk about restaurant culture and sobriety. He is a managing partner of Indigo Road with 20-plus restaurants across the South, and he's the founder of a nonprofit called Ben's Friends. We're big fans of everything that Steve Palmer does. We're Steve's friends. Yep. And um, Moon Lin Tsai was featured on the line this week. She's the co-owner of the James Beard semifinalist restaurant Kopi Tiam on the Lower East Side. On the show, she talked to Eli about what it was like to growing to grow up in restaurants and how she chose her business partner, which is always, I feel like, an interesting conversation. More on that in opening soon. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that story was wild, too, because she chose that partner very fast and walked into Kobe Tiam just, like, to have lunch one day off of the Google. Wow. And, and then ends up, you know, working with them. So it's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Everything in your life is a matter of timing, right? Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, all right, so those are our headlines. Make sure you check out all of our shows, all thir- roughly 35 weekly shows. Um, we're in a new season now, so there's a lot of great stuff coming your way. Um, we just had a chat with our friend Jen Liuzzi about um, she's about to hit 200 episodes of Tech Bites. I mean, wow. Speaking of milestones. Yeah, I feel like everyone's been having massive milestones this year. Jimmy had, like, one of the biggest milestones Woo! in our history last year. 500 episodes. I mean, no, no big deal. 500. Jimmy, what, what was that like? What has it been like to make 500 episodes of Beer Sessions Radio? Well, it's like when you're, say you're an actor and you're in a show, you get a rush because you, you, you got the show and you're doing rehearsals, but then you realize, wow, this isn't just like a, a three-month run. And after three months or six months, you have to kind of suck in and be like, whoa, mm-hmm. I have to like keep a level head and keep this going. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give a big shout to you guys. I mean, you, you, the administration here and the studio people have been so supportive. So thank you guys. Nice. Couldn't do it without you guys. How many... How many different engineers have you worked with over your tenure? Well, if anyone remembers Jack Inslee, there was Jack. How could we forget? <laughs> Jack and, Inslee. And and David and uh, now Matt and then probably a few others. Probably so. a few others, yeah. It, this has been a great network. You, you guys really have a very stable crew, and um, I love it. Yes. Love Heritage Radio Network. Well, we're so lucky to have you in our family, and there's just so much amazing information and like celebration of beer in the archive of your show. If people haven't listened to all 500 episodes, I think it's start to start from <laughs> number one. We're it's time to up. start binging podcast. Yes. Come on. Um, I mean, I feel like you've had beer almost, almost everyone in the beer world on that show at some point or another. Like if not like you're basically like the Kevin Bacon game with Jimmy on beer <laughs> sessions would be like only one degree of separation period with anyone six degrees of jimmy carboni yeah you could circle back to him several times with six degrees i will say there's a movie out called beer boom the movie and uh they're going to be on our show next week uh january 28th 5 p.m on heritage Radio network and these guys this labor of love they took about five or six years to make this movie and i saw a, a secret preview of it last night and every single person in that f- documentary <laughs> has been on beer sessions radio so, you had it's them like first. old friends yeah yeah um, so, I mean, I feel like craft beer has like, you know, it's at this point 
and of course I'm in a Brooklyn bubble. We we all realize that we're in a bubble a, a bit being in New York. But like craft beer feels like almost kind of mainstream at this point. So like what are you seeing now as being sort of the the new and the interesting things happening in beer? I mean, that, that's something you can listen to Beer Sessions Radio because everyone has their own different take on. Mm. But for me, it's it, it's beer. Beer's not new. You know, beer goes back to, the, you know, early days of civilization. And what came first, beer or bread, you know, when, when, when people were first dealing with grains. Um, I, I think what's new is what's old. You know, it's... Some of the most experimental brewers I know who've, like uh, Evan at Plan B Farmhouse up in Poughkeepsie, New York, to, he came into an, an old farm. He's doing some of the most traditional methods of, of like wild fermenting and all this stuff. Suddenly he was back in Dusseldorf, Germany, drinking alt beers, which is one of the old traditional styles of beer. So it's like I, I can see, you know, pioneers like Evan looking, looking back to the old world and... Um, that it never gets old. That's the thing with beer. That makes me so happy just to like know that, you know, we're not just trying to innovate, 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 but that we're like appreciating the way things have been done for so long. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the other big stories would probably be people who are trying to push to make beer, like get local ingredients. And that's really just a return to the old, too. It's like people didn't used to ship things across the world. Right. And so now you've got people like Strom Rope who are making all New York New York malt, New York hop beers, like that's that's on the up and up. I think yeah, around the country. Exciting. I mean, we, we Matt's great because Matt's been our engineer now for over a year, so but he, he has he's heard all the episodes. <laughs> but um, like you know, and the trend in you know, the story is there's there's a lot of new podcasts that are covering you know the business of beer, and it mm-hmm. seems that that's the only area where people are spending money, and so we we kind of shy away from that. But you know, everyone wants to talk about the what hard seltzer's doing should every brewery make a hard seltzer oh that's interesting and we kind of stay away that's not really a beer sessions radio we're like okay you can talk about mainstream stories we're going to talk about really good beer and and the, the people that make it but it's interesting like you sometimes like do want to get into that conversation of like because we did that with hardcore mm-hmm. and like with about insider it's like how marketing is such a a big thing there because and the, the cider market yeah. is smaller, but growing smaller than the beer market. And so um, you have a lot of people trying to be very strategic and 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 target the people that are drinking the hard seltzer and the white claws. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because like, you know, you, from the cider perspective or the beer perspective, it's like, let's capture those people and let's bring them in to drink what we think is good. I mean, we're, we're drinking like, you know, Joanne at, at the bar earlier, he wanted a pale ale. And Roberta's on draft always has a great selection of beer, but they didn't have a pale ale. And right now we're drinking, it's, it's an orange Grenache. Yeah. Grenache. Mm-hmm. So it's, to me, it's a rosé. Yeah. You know, th- there's certain things that you, you want to drink. I want to drink a rosé today. And at the bar, I wanted a pale ale. I, I don't mm-hmm. need to have like 30 different yeah. you know, types of, of a beer. It's like quality over quantity. Yeah. Always. And classic styles. You and know? classic. Yeah. So you know what you're getting. I mean, there's a time and a place for crazy sour. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, you don't want it the all beach. the time. The beach. Yeah. Um, so, Joan, tell us a bit more kind of about your family history with olive oil and, and like, yeah. why you decided to sort of come back to it. Well, uh, my family has all history for generation. That's the way that used to happen. Um, always has been part of my, my, my childhood. And always in my mind is with something telling me that I have to take care of that. Yeah. Because actually, I mean, the model in Spain, in Jaén mainly, that is the region that is the olive oil is coming from, is like cooperatives. And the cooperatives is, is a really nice proposal because every co- 
every guy in the cooperative belongs part of the of the of the business. That's very good, but at the same time, it doesn't work very well when it works very well when the target is to produce olive oil, and we are doing in Spain in Jaén a lot of good olive oil lately. But it's not as good when you have to commercialize it. Interesting. How? Well, yeah. Why? Why? Because well, because we are talking about Jaén. Jaén is beautiful. I love Jaén. I love the people of Jaén, but it's traditional. Mm. I mean, it's like countryside. It's kind of the poorest region in Spain, so... Well, Amanda, you want something to say? She, she has something to say. She's not agree. She's not agree. She can't wait to get to work in the olive oil business. She's like, we got to go get the olive oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but uh, historically, they have sold the olive oil bulk. Right. No, okay. not creating a brand, not creating something. It's a lot of little special. decisions you have to make. Yeah. And it's hard for a lot of people to make decisions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was one of the of, of my goals. We're we're gonna see if you want someone to hold Amanda yeah, for a minute. She yeah, likes yes. to be moving around. Yeah. Ruby and Matt are gonna babysit during this. Yeah, yeah, end. totally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. Amanda's like, I don't have time to just sit here and listen to you everyone talk. <laughs> She's much happier now. Well, so <laughs> that was one of the of the weakness of the of the olive oil in Spain. That makes sense, yeah. That we were not able to give it the value that it has. And lately, in the last ten years, we have reached a point when we have an excellent quality. And as good as the Italian or even better and we are doing an amazing olive oil mm. but still we don't have the ability to sell it to promote it mm. to and all this work it, it was in my mind from the beginning no? we got a precious treasure we have a really good quality now and we are not able to sell it we have to sell it in bulk we have to sell it for Italians mainly and it doesn't make sense. I mean, if you have something mm -hmm. very good, sell it yourself and <coughs> let, let, let the people know that it's coming from you, no? mm -hmm. from, from your... So what are the barriers to, like, reaching a broader market for, for Spanish olive oil? What's, what's keeping you from reaching the rest of the world? Um, why I'm focusing in the United States? Yeah, yeah. Well, you were saying it's mostly being sold in, like, in Spanish olive oil is mostly being sold in Italy. I was just curious. Yes, what's... well, it's... I mean, when I was... I was telling this, it was mainly the Italians go to Spain, mm. buy the olive oil bulk in tons, in like containers, bring it uh, to Italy, and oh. they it's bottle like bulk, it in Italy. Bulk commodity yeah. product. Yeah. So your brand now, you're, you're able to sort of sell more retail because you're, you're building the brand, getting yeah. away from bulk a little bit, yes, and yes, now totally. you're targeting the U.S., Yes, that's that's the that's that was the whole point. And yeah. Retail and also restaurants, but looking yeah. for people that are want quality and they want a different product. And Tierra Gallada is what is the the, the proposal of Tierra Gallada. Mm -hmm. No, we are getting one of the best olive oil in the world. We are trying to bring it a reasonable price. I mean, I don't need the fanciest bottle in the market. <laughs> right. I don't need to spend five dollar in a bottle if I can spend. Uh, 50 cents and bring the best product. I mean, if you lick my bottle, it looks beautiful. Well, yeah. at, at least it's <laughs> beautiful, <laughs> I think. But, uh, 
but uh, trying to keep away all these things involving high quality products that make it uh, more expensive and actually it doesn't belong to the product itself mm. no and trying to focus in just in the product itself and giving like a nice coat and nice clothes but uh, keeping in mind that what I want to bring is the olive oil mm. not, not the labor or not the bottle so we mentioned at the top of the show but we were going to talk a little bit about tariffs and trade um, <laughs> you're being affected being a Spanish olive oil producer affected by a 25% tariff that was enacted last year yeah how has that affected the business well um, from the beginning until the end I mean it's totally affecting and it's making me much more difficult to do everything no? because actually the, 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 well, the problem is the 25% is the tariff by itself it has no sense it's a tariff coming from an, an argue between the aeronautic industry and mm. at the end we have been involved people that do olive oil which it makes no sense you're like at all. what do I have to do with airplanes <laughs> yeah, <I> have, <laughs> what's I, happening I, 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 I have no stocks of Airbus or Boeing <laughs> so I mean I, you're like I'm definitely not invested in Boeing yeah no totally <laughs> nope. no um, so so from the beginning it's an unfair tariffs and they are not just unfair and also random mm. for example just the Spain or just the olive oil coming from Spain is having this tariff, not the Italian or the Greek. Yeah. And at the same time, the other products in Italy are having and the French none. And mm. in the end, uh, if you can read underlines, we, we say that in Spanish, I don't know. Read between the lines, yeah. Read yeah. between the lines. It's just the, the president of the administration trying to um, do not talking with the European Union as an entity, mm -hmm. trying to debilitate the European Union, looking for connecting with concrete with 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 the government and trying to develop a an argue between between countries, not mm -hmm. with the European Union. So, I mean, well, is that the way the the, the real politics? Yeah. Is done, and we are in the uh, aggressive politics, and that's what we have. It's just—it's <laughs> unfortunate that like we're all being caught in the middle of it. And yeah, consumers, yeah. importers. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's take a really quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Castellet cook-off that we're mm -hmm. all going to be hanging out at in a couple days. I'm so pumped. Uh, okay, we'll be right back with more HR and Happy Hour. Woo! My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's. A super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. We're back. We've got a bottle of wine we're pouring and one crazy dog in the studio. <laughs> or do we? I don't know. Maybe it's all Matt. Maybe it's just Matt. Um, all right, so, Joanne, you're going to be cooking a cassoulet on Saturday. Is that sure. right? Totally. Well, I'm, I'm going to be with uh, Chef uh, Rafael de la Rosa, who is, like, um, chef of cuisine in Mineta Tavern. And he's going to be the master and commander of the operation. <laughs> and I'm going to be the, the guy that, that serves the, the, the food. I was going to do it by myself because I love to cook and I can pretty decent... Uh, cooker, 
But when uh, he told me that he was to be involved, it was like, well, of course. You're like, that's <laughs> easier for me. Totally. You know, I, I met you last year, and um, we have another friend who writes for a Spanish publication here in New York. Hmm. And you said, wow, we, we really want to do the Castellet yeah. cook-off. But what about Castellet, mm. you know, inspires you? Why do you want to cook that? I mean, I love, I love, I love. We, we call it in Spain, like, uh, spoon dishes. Uh, I love them. In the winter, it's like our oh, surf of... the best. Yeah. Uh, I always, this stews, like, takes a lot of time, and it's different. Uh, coction involves... I mean, it's always, like, kind of a chemistry alchemist. <laughs> so I always love this, this kind of dishes. I have a question for you guys in a general sort of cassoulet stew question. Do you consider time to be an ingredient in a cassoulet? You mean time the herb? No, time. Oh, time. The T-I-M-E. Like the time spent making the dish. Is that an essential ingredient in the recipe? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like you, I mean, you can... You can't you rush can, beans. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, you know, things last. Because like, you have to do things in advance. You have to, maybe you you're making to a duck confit. I mean, this, we're talking about date. Can, can we just, like, go back a little bit for people that don't know what a cassoulet is? Yeah. Talk about the process. I mean, we're talking about days if you're doing it from scratch. Well, one of our, our chefs, Bretton Scott, who's been a, a HRN yes, host. Yeah. Um, well, on Saturday... He picked up duck from Hudson Valley Duck in Union Square Green Market, and he started by butchering it, and he's been making a confit since at least Tuesday. So that just gives you a sense of, of how much time it takes to do it right. Yeah. Yep. And someone else, uh, Betty Kalen, who's o OME catering, um, she picked up her beans yesterday. And Chef Jesse Jackson, who uh, has like a New Orleans-style red bean cassoulet, he also started a chicken, chicken confit yesterday, so... Wow. So at least three days in advance. At least, yeah. And actually, it's not just the time that it takes you to prepare. It's these kind of dishes, they gain when, I mean, it's better if you have it the next day you do it. Because all the flavors get together. Mm -hmm. So it's not just prepared. It's when they are done, You, if you wait, it's even better. even better. And you know, it's like to me, it's old world cooking. The way I grew up with, with my family from Italy, it, we never called them leftovers. It was like yeah. you knew that that right. sauce or whatever you made the next day was going to be better. So you made it in advance. We, we, mm -hmm. we, you didn't call them leftovers. I worked for a restaurant group in Atlanta, and one of the restaurants, their soup special, they actually called the soup special yesterday's soup because <laughs> they were all they were like, we always make the soup you're eating at least the day before because it's better that way. Hmm. I think anything like a super stew is that's true with. Does well, olive oil play any sort of important role in your cassoulet? Sure, sure, totally. I mean, um, we are gonna do the focaccia. Where we we have Ooh. done a focaccia. Ooh. Actually, this is gonna be totally crust. Yum. Because it's gonna be like breadcrumbs, but Hannah's on the guest list too. So. Yeah, I'm ready. With the uh, piqual olive oil. Piqual is kind of a strong olive oil, robust. It's, Super earthy, it's bitter, it's spicy. So it's a, a lot of uh, strength to the to the product, and and all the process is with extra virgin olive oil. All the cooking when we are doing the rabbit, we put olive oil. Uh, I mean, we are gonna put a little bit of olive oil on top. It's gonna be arbequina that is more delicate, just to give a little for sweetness to the to the cassoulet. 
So, of course, you cannot understand Spanish cuisine. And in this case, cassoulet and... We can say that cassoulet and Spanish cuisine is, is pretty much the same because mm -hmm. we have the same in Spain and France. We share a lot of... You share um, a large border. Yeah. 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 Don't you love that concept of spoon food? Mm. I do. I love that. I yeah. do love that. That's all I ever cook, I feel like, is just one big pot of Honestly, mush. Honestly, same. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just feel like I, I usually will go to Heritage Foods and I'll get the I'll get the sausages and the beef stew meat. I always go for that those kinds of meat, the cuts of meat. I'm never really going for pork chops or steaks. Mm -hmm. I like to make a stew or a braise, yeah. something like that. That's like comforting to me. It's part of my Sunday mm -hmm. like recharge routine is to cook something for at least three or four hours. It's like meditation time. We just sure, got sure. we just got some friends who got married. We bought them a Le Creuset. Um, as a wedding gift, and they got it, and they were like, what's the best thing to make in this? And I was like, I don't know, everything. Literally everything. It's what I cook everything <laughs> in. I don't it know is how fun. to In, in the early days of Castle Lake Cook-Off, chefs like Kathy Irway, who's also got yeah. a show on HRN. She, she has, she, like, one of the most iconic... Come in with a, her the yellow Le Creuset. Yeah. Like, she... That, that, that's, that's, like, the best commercial for a Le Creuset, I have to say. It's, like, it's like a beat-up, well-loved yellow Le Creuset. May I ask, one of the key ingredients of cassoulet is our beans. Hmm. And I'm always curious about every chef has a different approach. Like hmm. our, the chef who's cooking the Jura style is, is do, using tarbay beans, which is like the traditional style. But, you know, here in New York, we have Grow NYC, you know, Grains Project. There's a lot of Northeast regional beans. Right now there's like pintos and yellow-eyed peas. Yeah. But one of our chefs uh, is, has Rancho Gordo sending him Yellow-eyed beans. Yeah. What, what beans are you, is your chef using? Yes, we are actually. I I brought them from Spain. With I I I, I should not say that in public because in the custom the the guy told me any food and it was not not at all. This is educational purpose. <laughs> you, you, can, yes, you cannot correct. do it. We've but, been known to smuggle some food. Yeah, but <laughs> are we are coming. About? It's coming from Spain and it's faves. They are called faves. They are from the north of Spain, from Asturias. And they are kind of an expensive uh, legume, but uh, really tender, super good with the skin is super, super thin, so mm. you cannot even... And uh, I think it's super important in a cassoulet or in a, this kind of dishes, what, what you choose. No? You have to have good stuff because it's the, 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 the beginning of the dish. Kat, you're going to be a judge. Judge is the hardest job at these type of events because, honestly, between you and me, I usually very quickly find the one or two dishes that I really like, yeah. and then I only eat those. As the judge, unfortunately, you're going you to try all ten. You have to have some restraint, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm prepared. How are you going to do I'm that? I'm prepared for that. I So, Jimmy, tell me kind of like, I'm going to go in, I'm, I'm going to go to different tables and, and try, or like, will I be able to sort of get Well, you'll, you'll be with a stable of judges, so it's, okay. you'll meet some fun people like Kat Kradick, who's the yeah. Savoir Test Kitchen uh, person, and um, Serena Dye, either New York person, and uh, Diane Stemple, who's a host on Cutting the Curd yes. here. So there'll, there'll be a nice group of people and, and some chefs as well. Chef Eric Howard, who is a New York City firefighter, who's been, who been on some, uh, I think, chop shows. But um, you, you kind of... Go, you might pair with one or two okay. other chefs. You get there a little early. You get early admin at 1230. That's what I meant to. And I'm going to be efficient going, about it. Yeah, yeah you, go, you go around and you keep your notes. And then Great. the fun part is the, the judges. These type of events, it's it's everyone's event. Like, like Juwan came in and came to some of the events. And you realize that, wow, this is a place for him and his olive oil. But it's also like a way for him to build community. Mm -hmm. So he has friends friends from Spain and New York that will come to the event. But now he's working with... Should you tell us more actually about 
um, the chef you have. So it's Rafa mm-hmm. De La Rosa. He's a, the chef de cuisine at Mineta Lane. And oh. that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And he's actually doing a whole a whole program where he's gone to Central Market in, in, in Houston with, with yeah. Chef Rafa. So he's really trying to expand people's understandings of what you can do with olive oil. Because I thought, to me, I'm like, olive oil for cassoulet, like, why would you do that? You're not a bean company. You're not a meat company. But, mm-hmm. you, what, you know, that's, that's your inspiration. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, Chef Rafael de la Rosa is, is, is a great chef. He's been here like five years six years actually he's working now as you said in uh, chef of cuisine in, in Mineta Tavern and he's from Seville but he loves he loves food and he loves everything when I told him about the cassoulet he was like super excited about it and also of course me to to have him on, on, on my side to do to do that he has a, like a really good background um, in Spain in Seville is where he's coming from and and you're gonna try. You have to come. You have to come to the Casulet Salute. What what can you do better than a Casulet? Where Salute? can people find tickets? Uh, Jimmy's number forty three dot com. Jimmy's no four three dot com. Get on Event it. tickets. I just I don't know what you're doing if you're not gonna come eat a lot of Casulet <laughs> in January. Like you, it's it's the best cure for your seasonal yeah. depressive uh, yeah. disorder. Yeah. Is eat a lot of beans. That's. I'm Everyone so makes there. beans. There's a couple of barbecue entries: Randall's Barbecue and um, Gentle Giant Barbecue from the New York area. They're both kind of making a, a dish as well. Nice. Yum. Okay, so Duan has to step out because Amanda needs him. Yeah. Um, and we are all here for Amanda. Let's be honest. <laughs> She's our guest for the future. <laughs> um, we're here for the future. But the last thing we're gonna do, and feel free to like jump out whenever you need. Mm-hmm. But we have a little bit of trivia we're gonna play at the very end. Totally. And uh, you guys are on, all on a team, so feel free to just shout them out. Our theme for trivia this week is questions about French cooking, cassoulet being a traditional French dish. Okay. Question number one: How many snails are consumed in France every year? Also known as escargot. Is it 100,000, 500,000, or over a million? Over a million. Over a million. Definitely. No. (laughs) It's a 500,000. And who's counting? You're going to say something? Yeah. The snails. The snails. <laughs> the, the snail board. The snail association. Of- <laughs> what about the wild the wild snails that people catch in their backyard? <laughs> yeah, we're not counting no those, so you're no, probably yes. right. No one's keeping track. All right, question number two. What sandwich uses a baguette as its bread? Is it a Vietnamese banh mi, a Mexican samita, or the French croque monsieur? Baguette, the Vietnamese. Bun yes, bun me. Yep, correct. But isn't it a different? Isn't bun it more bun. like po' boy bread? Isn't it like a different? It is slightly different, but I guess like as we're going on shape, because like in New eh. or- in New Orleans, they're like a bon- The bun me bread is very specific, and it's like very light. So I bonus points. I don't know. Depends if you have a good bakery nearby or not. I yeah, yeah. fair enough. All right, question number three: What are three vegetables that are used in the French flavor base known as a mirepoix? Uh, three, but of course, uh, onion. Yes. Uh, pepper. Mm. That's Trinity. That's sofrito. That's uh, or, yeah. or sofrito. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to do onion, celery, and carrot. Correct. Ah, uh, carrot. Yes. In Spain, it's it's onion, and then, <laughs> pepper. Yeah. Peppers. Yes. And, 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 and in New Orleans, garlic, Trinity. Of course, yeah. Bell peppers. Garlic. Which, like, I don't love bell peppers, so whatever. All right. Question number four. 
Which of these is not on the menu at the French McDonald's? <laughs> Palm frites sauce, croque McDo, or McDo, <laughs> or the pe- Le Petit Poulet, the little chicken. Which one's not on the menu? So two of those are right, one of those is wrong. Wait, I'm You'll, sorry, I need you to say that. Say it again. again. Palm, Palm frites sauce, croque McDo, or Le Petit Poulet, the little chicken. Palm frites sauce. That is on the menu. Oh, it is. The croc. Oh. The croc. That the also ma- is on the menu. <laughs> what is all the other? It's the little chicken. Le petit poulet. Le petit poulet. You think that would make sense because it sounds the most like a thing that's normal. Know, it sounds I like know. chicken nuggets. All right, I thought well, pom frites, I thought that was Belgian. But. Yeah, right? All right, last question, and this is my favorite. What hobby did Julia Child take part in before she found French cooking? Is it creative writing, college basketball, or cheerleading. What up, tall girls? No idea. <laughs> Sounds like a college basketball, right? That is correct. Oh. Julia Child, the basketball player. All wow. right. Thank you both so much for being on the show. You won trivia. Um, Castle Cook Off. Go to Jimmy's number 43.com. And guess what? Since we won the trivia, we got a free bottle of Tierra Colada. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Juwan. Yeah, you're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome. Thank you, Juwan. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank, Thank you, you, Matt, Ruby, Amanda, yeah. who's been oh, patient. so patient with us. Yeah. Um, thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Catherine. All right, we'll be back next week. HR and Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Sherry Bayer the host of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm thrilled to let you know about HOST, Summit Plus Social, a new conference for and about the hospitality industry, taking place Monday, January 27, 2020, at the William Vale in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York City. Based on my All in the Industry show, HOST, which stands for Hospitality Operations, Services, and Technology, will bring behind-the-scenes talent in hospitality to the forefront, in a live format, featuring guests from some of my most popular episodes, including Drew Niporant, Rita Jamey, Crystal Mobiani, JJ Johnson, and Jeff Gordonier. Our event will include intimate panels, one-on-one interviews, industry news discussions, curated lunch conversations, and more. Plus, of course, we will have outstanding food and drink throughout the day, including an energizing closing reception. For more information and tickets, please go to allintheindustry.com. And also, please follow us at All Industry on Instagram and Twitter. I hope you will join us in celebrating our dynamic hospitality industry. Many thanks.